Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back, campers. Oh, I guess it is summer. <laughs> it is. It is I've July. Never been to camp. It's just something I, you know, it took me off guard when you said that. I, I had an out of body experience. No, I'm not That's like good. other girls. <laughs> I've never That's been to French. camp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're welcome. Um, thank you. To, to clarify, we haven't we haven't seen each other in a while. Uh, no, it, it is the midst of a of a global uh, dystopian pandemic. pandemic. Yeah, yes. Um, so you know we're all we're all talking for the first time here. I know this is exciting. I'm I'm excited to be back. I am as well. We're not holding yeah. hands. We no. are still in separate places, but we're back entirely. We yeah. figured out how to do this. And that's exciting. Have we? Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> so, if you're listening, we figured it out. We figured it out. And <laughs> that's a real pat on the back kind of place to find yourself. Does that yeah. pick up? Ooh, Does that she's pick up? doing it. Can you, can you hear mine? Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't make that sound. We're going to um, change this to an ASMR channel. Absolutely. No, we won't. I, I really hate <laughs> I refuse. I will oh. leave. <laughs> we both hate ASMR. Just loathe it. Oh, entirely. good. Oh, good. Perfect. Ugh. I knew we were friends for a reason. And that was the reason. That's it. That's the sum total. You heard it here first, folks. A year later, we finally figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's crazy. Wow. Just a year ago. This to celebrate. Yeah, we should talk about it. I know. We should talk about a lady. Uh, so, so I picked a cool lady and I guess maybe what I want to say is I want to preface by saying there's been so many extraordinary things happening around us in the past few months mm-hmm. and it's been inspiring to watch. And it's also been, I think the best opportunity to listen. Um, and what I really am inspired by and have always been inspired by in general are people whose voices aren't heard, right? Mm -hmm. And I think um, I'm really excited to talk about someone who I think it's extraordinary to me that it hasn't, she isn't as well known as she should be. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, that's like kind of the sum total slash essence of HBB. And so um, (laughs) that's our fun nickname for ourselves. Um, So... All of this started because I, I, this particular woman I was inspired by because I saw a painting many, many moons ago. Um, and it's a really, it's such a cool painting. And I sent Chloe the link so she can look at it and we'll post it um, on our, on the gram. So you guys will be able to view it as well. And so this was a painting. Um, I don't actually remember why I saw it, but it, it may have had to do with the fact that I went to this place called Kenwood 
um, in England mm-hmm. and in Hampstead. And they were having an exhibit um, about the British Empire and slavery. And the reason it was so, I don't know, it was such an important thing to have at Kenwood was perhaps because of the first Earl of Mansfield who lived there, but also maybe about someone who lived within his household. And that's who we're going to talk about today. And she's in this painting. So there's two girls of roughly the same age. One of them is white. She's blonde. She's wearing a somewhat, considering the time period, um, somewhat outdated dress, but it's beautiful, you know, sumptuous pink, um, kind of a court mantua situation. And the woman in the background, the girl in the background is a black girl and she is wearing like the most fabulous turban, some pearls and this stunning like kind of silk sateen wrapped dress, which is for the time period, much more fashion forward. Um, and so the first girl is a woman named a uh, girl. They're, they, they're probably around 14. So I'm, they're girl mm. women, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, that fun age. Um, and so it's uh, Lady Elizabeth and her cousin and very close friend, Idol Elizabeth Bell, who we're going to be talking about today. And so both of these girl women, people, Young women. <laughs> oh, there is a term someone invented. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I forgot. I wasn't going to stop you from saying girl women throughout the rest of this episode, but yeah. But here we are. Well, I did it. I did it. You I'm did. Sorry. I'm it sorry. Me. That's on you, babe. Um, <laughs> Classic. Okay, so you yet again. So these, oh, excellent. Okay, so these are both the great nieces of William Murray, who's the first Earl of Mansfield, hmm. who is was a very famous barrister in England and one of the most important um, chief justices of the courts for a ruling that we're going to talk about uh, in a few minutes. So Dido was born in probably 1761 um, to Lord Mansfield's nephew. Um, and I'm finding, where are my notes? Do you know, it's a real shame I can't read. Oh, there we go. My own handwriting. Um, So to, she was born to John Lindsay, who is Lord uh, Mansfield's nephew and a Afro-Caribbean slave named Maria Bell. And because Maria Bell was a slave, um, automatically a person born to a slave is a slave. And so she was born in um, the British, like East Indies, Caribbean holdings. There's a few different, um, a thread you'll find throughout this story, as with pretty much any marginalized person, be it just a woman or a woman of color or a person of color, frankly, for that matter. Um, There's not a lot that we know and what we do know has some clear biases. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a tale that um, Maria Bell was taken prisoner on a Spanish galley and, and Sir John like found her and regardless, um, so they, they had a child. And again, you know, we have to, I think so many people like to romanticize that kind of thing because it's not an American view of slavery, which is something I found really interesting while studying history. But we have to remember this was the most brutal of institutions, the most heinous. And so, you know, there, there probably, not probably, there was a clear 
you know, there were power dynamics in play that were not in favor of Maria Bell and the illegitimate daughter she bore an aristocrat. Um, and so what's really fascinating is Maria dies probably a few, just a few years later. And Dido was actually brought back with her father to London and he brought her to Sir, I guess, Lord, William Murray and his wife, who had just taken in another young great niece of theirs, Lady Elizabeth, who's who was also uh, not, I think she was an orphan, but her mother had also died. And so William and his wife didn't have any children and they both, they brought in both of their great nieces. And again, there are some kind of, you know, was Dido brought in to be a plaything for Lady Elizabeth? Was she brought in to eventually be a lady's maid? It's so disputed, but, but again, every time I try and understand their relationship, I go back to that picture. I go back to that painting because the, the dynamics, the physical and, and, and historiographical dynamics in that painting are mm. such that they are on equal ground. So Lady Elizabeth is holding Dido's arm but it's not like I'm holding her. I'm gripping her. It's a, she's one of my best friends and I think we might go for a walk and she, I'm going to take her arm. It's, it's a more, I think it's a more like referential and affectionate holding. And, and Dido has this unbelievably cheeky, beautiful expression on her face. And she's wearing as sumptuous clothes as, you know, the woman who's in the foreground. Mm -hmm. And though Dido is in the background, their heads, if you look in this, again, we're getting into like art history stuff here, but their heads are almost on the exact same plane. And in fact, Dido is slightly above. And what's fascinating is in most portraiture of this time, if you saw a black person in a painting with another white person, what you saw was this really horrible trend where people would keep young black children as like pets almost Ugh. were cute. And, you know, it's just, it's really foul, but that's, you know, what they did. It was this exotic, there was this fet fetishization of the exotic. Right. Mm -hmm. And so these were little creatures, if you will, and they were made to look almost otherworldly. They weren't, you know, allowed the same humanity. And so they're in the, they're, yeah, it is. And yeah. you see it in so many frankly, famous and lauded portraits, mm. um, these little kind of creatures kind of below, you know, almost where a dog would be uh, as in the, yeah, in like the bottom right or bottom left corner. And, and the story of, of what those people ended up going through the moment they weren't young and cute is, you know, they'd be sold back into slavery and it'd be, it was just horrendous. But I look at this painting and I don't see that. And that's what always amazed me about it was look at it you know she's wearing this gorgeous dress she's holding yes it is still I think there is still that element they can't quite let go of the exotic with her and she's holding some exotic fruit and she's wearing a turban but you know she's wearing a beautiful strand of pearls she is only slightly in the background and indeed not in a position that I, as a viewer of this painting would say is, is negative. I mean, what do you think? I mean, when you compare it to, I should have brought up a comparison of what normal kind of portraiture would, but 
no, to no. me. I mean, I mean, even without one, you can. What's interesting to me is her facial expression. I mean, she looks cheeky as heck. Like she's right. I love I, her. I mean, I, I, I don't know enough about art history to feel confident in, you know, the, the painter's perspective in this photo. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what liberties were taken to give her a facial expression or decide. I don't know. Her body seems like in 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 motion, almost like there's. There, it looks like she's like leaning forward or leaning away, or there's there's something going on in her that's way more interesting than I than I think in other paintings I've seen. Yes, exactly, and that's something that that to me. Every time I get, uh, uh, I feel confused about what her life must have been like, I go back to this painting simply mm -hmm. because this was a painting that is still currently in the Mansfield family's possession and huh. is a, is, is one of their favorite pieces. And it's currently at, I believe it's at Schoon Palace, which is their ancestral home. The Murray, the head of clan Murray lives there. And so, you know, this is a, uh, this is a, a loved painting. This is something commissioned. This was done on purpose. And I think that's important to remember. Now, I'm not trying to make a gilded, you know, image of what her life must have been like. But right. every time I kind of go, I don't know where to lean. I remember she's wearing much more expensive fabric than her cousin. I'm seeing the jewelry that she's wearing that's identical to that of her cousins. Um, and so, you know, anyway, that's something to keep in mind. A beautiful painting of a cheeky, cheeky girl, you know, just... <laughs> the cheekiest photo I've ever seen, honestly. It's excellent. And she's like pointing <laughs> to her grin. So just in case you weren't looking, she's making you. <laughs> yeah. I she love really that. <laughs> and again, by Elizabeth reaching back and gesturing toward her, our gaze is entirely driven to her, yeah. not to Elizabeth. So, Okay. I'm not, I go on and on about this painting. I just think it's wonderful. Um, so, so Dido goes and she's brought up at Kenwood by Sir William, Lord William, um, and his wife and with her cousin. And by all accounts, she was given the exact same education as her cousin, an exceptional education because they are, I mean, Lady Elizabeth is not an illegitimate aristocrat. Dido is, but they're given the same exact education, which is exceptional. And indeed, Lord Mansfield has a quote that he said later, um, that Belle was treated like the rest of the family when she was in the company with only the family. So that does give you a sense, you know, she is still a marginalized figure. But we have to remember her marginalization does also come from her illegitimacy. It isn't just the fact that she is, in the really horrible term, a mulatto. It's also that she is illegitimate so the, she has two strikes against her if we if we she's also you know, a woman let's not forget well let's she not forget a, she has a million strikes against her she really did i think you know so many 18th century england is a fascinating time politics are almost becoming more at one with the people and yet the people are all white so you're you're you know we like to view slavery as a somewhat American institution, but we have to remember this is an, this is a worldwide trade. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and not just that, but it's, it's also, this is a time where women like Georgiana, the Duchess of Devonshire are getting so involved in politics, but also, and are brilliant political animals and yet can do nothing because why? Because she's a woman. 
And that's literally the only reason. That is the only thing in her way. She's a duchess. She's white. But because she's a woman, she has no grounds. So can you imagine then, you know, not just that you're a woman, you're, you're black, and also you're illegitimate. So you, you've got... Oh, so the fact that we know anything about her life, I think, is amazing because, mm-hmm. you know, the people that we never hear about are the people who are marginalized. We never they didn't leave records. And if they did, it's few and far between and terribly exciting. And we give them too much value. They're these holy grails. And because those are generally individual experiences, we don't get a good idea of what it was like for the masses. So mm-hmm. Dido grew up well-educated you know, and and was seen as part of the family. But in that quote by Lord William, you do see she's seen as part of the family, but only when she's just with the family itself. And so you actually, there are secondary accounts of Dido as growing up in Lord Mansfield's house, which is fascinating. So, you know, various quotes, um, they had a lot of people come to visit. One man, um, very famous man, actually, Thomas Hutchinson, who was a one-time uh, governor of Massachusetts and uh, for his sake, unfortunate loyalist to the um, British government. And his house was like ransacked during the Boston Tea Party. He wasn't the best. Okay. He, he wrong side of history and he knew it, but he has this fascinating quote where we get, it's true. He knew he lived apparently a very sad rest of his life in exile in England. And I don't care. I feel bad for him. Um, Oh, yeah. Poor Thomas Hutchinson. Your mansion was ransacked. Terrible. <laughs> um, so here's a, a fascinating quote. Yeah, I know, right? Oi. So this is, okay, so yeah, view, this is the man whose account we're looking at. So we rem- always remember the bias, right? So this is a quote he has. And forgive his language, it, it is not mine. A black came in after dinner and sat with the ladies and after coffee, walked with the company in the gardens. One of the young ladies having her arm within the other. She had a very high cap and blah, blah, blah. She is neither handsome. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. More gentil, pert enough. I knew her history before, but my lord mentioned it again. My lord meaning Lord Mansfield. Sir John Lindsay, having taken her mother prisoner in a Spanish vessel, brought her to England where she was delivered of this girl, of which she was then child, with child, and which was taken care of by Lord M, and has been educated by his family. He has been, he knows he has been reproached for showing fondness to her, I dare say not criminal, 
A few years ago, there was a cause before his lordship brought by a black for recovery of his liberty. A Jamaica planter being asked what judgment his lordship would give, no doubt, he answered, he will be set free. For Lord Mansfield keeps a black in his house, which governs him and the whole family. Wow. So we get a sense that there's a lot of resentment about the esteem to which Dido was held in this household. Mind you, this is a woman who wasn't allowed to have meals with guests, from what we can tell, but was instead invited to have, you know, tea with the ladies after dinner in the drawing room. So she's not a perfect, she's not on, on the, the great line of equity with her cousin. Mm-hmm. But there's so much resentment in this passage. And this is what I want to talk about. The very important cause um, that Thomas Hutchinson is speaking of, this case, is actually one of the most important cases that is said by most legal historians to have given England its first step toward emancipation. And it's Somerset versus Stuart. It was in 1772. And this ruling by Lord Mansfield, he hemmed and hawed. He didn't know what to do because slavery was such an important institution for the economy. And that's the unfortunate frankness of it. This country, America, but also England, had built their economies around this institution. And so the dismantling of it would be detrimental to it because that's how people built it. But mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we see that change can happen. And Oh, look. The economy still shit, but it's for different reasons. Um, so, so this is an interesting ruling, and and Thomas Hutchinson wants to, for lack of a better term, blame Dido's influence in this household for his ruling, favoring that of a black man, a, a, a slave who escaped. But he 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 can't because Dido was only seven at the time. So this isn't of the ruling. So this isn't really the, the the account of her as he saw her at dinner is much later when she's older. But this ruling, Somerset v. Stewart, happened when she was maybe seven or eight. So keep that in mind. But I think this is, again, I found, I'm so excited to have found some quotes because I never find quotes. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this is a, a very famous ruling. So Somerset, this is Lord Mansfield's written ruling. The state of slavery is of such a nature that it is incapable of being introduced on any reasons, moral or political, but only by positive law slash a statute, which preserves its force long after the reasons, occasions, and time itself from whence it was created is erased from memory. It is so odious that nothing can be suffered to support it but positive law. Whatever inconveniences, therefore, may follow from the decision I cannot say this case is allowed or approved by the law of England, and therefore the black must be discharged. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's a strong step. But do you know what's fascinating? Later in his life, about this ruling, Lord Mansfield stated he did not intend to suggest for emancipation in totality, and instead was only referring to this particular case where a young, a black man escaped his um, master. And basically the ruling says a master cannot carry a slave out of England by force. And that slavery did not exist in, in common law in England because it positive law, meaning no one had actually said, this is a thing we're doing. It just was legal by default. 
but he never intended for it to apply to actual emancipation. So even he's backtracking, even he has this complicated, I know. And that's so much of her life is fascinating to me because so much of it seems like this give and take, right? Mm. Um, she's allowed to this somewhat elevated position in the family. And yet she's not, she can't even have dinner with them um, when they have guests. But another interesting thing about it is she acted as Lord Mansfield's secretary in her later life. That is not something women did, let alone an illegitimate woman of color. So that, again, speaks to the esteem in which he's holding her. But there's so many dichotomies because, right, he also doesn't, he he does confer her freedom. And in his will specifically states that if it had not been explicitly stated before, when he is dead, she is absolutely free. But again, it's, it's this, I, it feels complicated to me. Am I wrong? I mean, it, it. Well, I'm also, I'm curious and also about the context of this. I mean, it seems from what I've heard, like learned of history, which is absolutely never going to be enough because the education system doesn't properly educate us about this, but mm-hmm. there, it, it seems like it was relatively frequent for masters to force themselves on their enslaved women and produce children mm-hmm. in you know that seems like it was a thing and i i'm curious about the prevalence of those children then being somewhat accepted into the family or just relegated to the enslaved children of the enslaved you know of their enslaved parents so i'm not sure mm-hmm. i i i'm i'm wondering you know, it seems like this guy is really mad about it. <laughs> but I wonder in general, you know, are, are we getting the biased opinion of someone who, you know, upholds the institution of slavery and, you know, to an extent that other people don't even agree with him? Or, you know, is he representing the popular opinion of that time of it being just absolutely unheard of that Dido would be included in the family, at least within closed doors? I mean, that's a phenomenal question. And I think it's one that I am somewhat incapable of answering. Yeah. The prevalence that you see and hear of tales of masters forcing themselves on slave women are generally speaking American in origin, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I think is very interesting is though slavery was legal, again, to some degree, not by positive law, but whatever, um, though slavery was legal in England, you don't have the kind of population and plantation system that allowed for that kind of behavior and in fact encouraged it. And so this is a slightly different situation. What I've heard tale of, and I would have to do more research because I don't want to speak out of turn, but what I, you know, that those half children, if you will, they were kind of viewed as such. They were of neither of this world or that mm-hmm. were of a slightly more elevated position than maybe other slave children because their father was the master, but they are still slaves. So you do have accounts of slave masters that I've seen setting those children free, specifically if they were men. Um, and so, you know, you have some favoritism, but mm-hmm. that's a personal and a case-by-case basis. So that's not quite what's happening here. What's happening here is this is, she's basically being treated 
as an illegitimate daughter, and her race is almost secondary to the family, not, however, to the people who are with the family. Mm. Do you know Mm. what I mean? Yeah. So, for example, there's a famous man, James Beattie, and he has this book called The Elements of Moral Science, where he debates all things moral, right? And he's a, he's a staunch abolitionist, so we don't hate him. Um, and But what's interesting is even in his language, he's almost surprised by his findings. And basically, again, this is, a, this is a fascinating quote about a person in history. I'd be excited to find this about any person in history, let alone such a marginalized figure. So Beattie's basically having a debate with other people about the ability of a black person to learn English (laughs) and their levels of intelligence, because apparently that had to be debated. And he says, but I happened a few days after to see his theory overturned and my conjecture established by a Negro girl about 10 years old who had been six years in England and not only spoke with the articulation and accent of a native, but repeated some pieces of poetry with a degree of elegance, which would have been admired in any English child of her years. She was in Lord Mansfield's family and at his desire and in his presence repeated those pieces of poetry to me. She was called Dido and I believe she is still alive. So this is, again, he's, 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 I don't know if his surprise is necessarily there, but what he's saying is no, in fact, here is a great example of a person with quite an education who could recite poetry to me. And oh yes, she happened to be black. So again, you're seeing such an interesting life for this girl. She's lived, she ends up living 30, 31 years, 30 or 31 years with Lord Mansfield and his wife. She ends up having this extraordinary life. She, as most genteel women of her time, run the poultry and the dairy yards of the estate. That's something that people did. You know, women of the gentry did. This isn't, that. that's just what the women did if they were, unmarried and or ran Mm -hmm. the estate for an older woman. So after her great aunt passed away, this is something she would have done. She becomes Lord Mansfield, Lord Mansfield, the chief justice of the courts of England, his secretary, you know, she is this favored position upon his death. He gives her 500 pounds and a hundred pound annuity, which if you adjust for inflation, that's around 30,000 pounds and about a thousand, 6,000 pounds a year. Mm -hmm. Um, other family members who came to live with the Mansfields at the time um, gave her money, became very close with her and gave her money. That's something people did. Uh, you know, you would give like a hundred pounds or so to someone in a will that happened with other family members. Um, and after Lord Mansfield's death in 1793, she marries a Frenchman, John Davigny. I was going Davinier. to ask about her prospects for marriage somewhat low right and it frankly has more to do with her illegitimacy than anything Hmm. and the fact that her what was settled upon her in that lovely dowry could not have been that much because she was not a legitimate child right now again this is a case-by-case thing that happens differently for different people who are illegitimate especially illegitimate men um but yes her her race absolutely had something to do with uh, the prospects as well. Again, so many strikes, just so many strikes against her. But she marries this man. They have three sons. She has twins. She has, I think, Charles and John. They were born in 1795 and a boy named William. Wow. After probably her. Yep. In 1802. 
And unfortunately, she passed away in 1805. She was only 43. But what a 43 years. I mean, you know, she and her cousin remained very close. And what's interesting is that two of her sons ended up working with the East India Company, one of them actually in India, the other one in London. And to, to just round out the absolute dichotomies of this woman's life, her last known descendant was a white man who died in apartheid South Africa in 1975. That's pretty recently. Mm-hmm. Wow. But a white man who was living in one of the most horribly divisive and racist times. Yeah. Right, of South Africa, absolutely. Of South Africa, yeah. Yeah, forgive me. Yeah, of South Africa, yeah. Yeah. So her life is filled with these contradictions, these, I mean, inconsistencies, and people who seem to love and value her in spite of her Blackness, right? Mm. Because of it. But I think that's almost too much to expect. And I'm not excusing. I'm not saying that's fine. But it is, we must remember, this is the 18th and very, very early 19th century. You know? So mm-hmm. this is, it's almost too much to expect them to embrace another culture. I mean, they hated the French that point. So, I mean, the, the, the racism against Irish people is horrendous. So if that's against the whitest people on earth, you can imagine what it would be like against a half-black, illegitimate, woman my gosh and yet i look at that painting right Mm. and i see this lively very intelligent and and exciting person who lived i think a very extraordinary life these episodes always make me want to hang out with the person right oh my god Uh, yeah i'd love to know i just I'd, i'd love it's it's i mean the details are fascinating the the pieces of history that you're able to comb through and find are fascinating, but there's so much about a person's life that we'll never know. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what Dido felt, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. how, how, how Dido moved about in the world, I think mm-hmm. is hard for us to know. And I, 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 these episodes always make me want to go back and be like, so Dido, what's up? Like, talk to me, <laughs> talk to me. I'd love to hear what you have to say as opposed to like a bunch of white men who talked about you. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's all I ever want. I just want to actually <laughs> yeah. hear what she has to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And of course hers is the only voice we don't have. Yeah. Although by being virtue of being the secretary of Lord Mansfield, we have some of her writings, what we can assume to be, but they're not her words. She's being dictated to transcribing. Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> I feel like I'd love to see what her handwriting looks like. You know, that's something. I found a, a picture of an account book. I can, we can add that to. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll add that to the yeah, post. We'll add it to the post. I think I found a picture of an account book that may have been attributed to her. Ooh. I mean, it's beautiful 18th century script. You can't read it, but it's I real think pretty. Let's throw it in there. Why not? Amazing. <laughs> this has been another episode. Of HBB. HBB. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. I hope that everyone's doing okay in quarantine. I know I know none of us are, but you mm-hmm. know, to the extent that's possible. 
Yeah. Surrounding Wear your masks. Love and whatever. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Like, please. I mean, it's so right. simple. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's fashionable. It's. Uh, I'm here for it because if I have a, any acne on my cheeks, you don't know. You know, I've thought about that. It's actually sometimes. Excellent. <laughs> you can just, if you're a person who likes to do makeup, you can do like the top half of your face. Mm-hmm. Half the time. Half the hassle. Absolutely Truly no downsides. In conclusion, wear a wear mask. Wear a mask. <laughs> Please let us know if you have any questions. Yes. And we're excited to bring you many more episodes and many more socially distant, isolated <laughs> women of history. Exactly. Who, frankly, kind of were. So this works out. <laughs> yeah, the, we're, this is actually a character study. We're, we're doing some immersive mm. acting. <laughs> Yeah, you guys didn't we'll cover know women of the plague next week. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started. It'll be great. <laughs> I will not get you started. <laughs> no. Thank you guys. Thank you again. Bye. Goodbye.